Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. All right, good morning, PCC. So good to be together. Pray with me as we dive into God's Word. Father, thank you so much. I thank you so much that we can respond to your character as you revealed it in your word. And today, Lord, we need this. Every week we need it. But today, as we look at your faithfulness, how can we not say thank you? How can we not worship you? Where would we be if you weren't faithful? And so, Lord, in light of who you are, I pray we would respond in the power of the Holy Spirit to mirror this trait. Thank you for the grace when we fall short. Guide us today. Let our hearts be fertile soil for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be aware of the largest residential building in San Francisco. It's called the Millennial Millennium Tower. Uh, it's a 58-story building built in 2008 to the awe of many and winning many awards. Now, costs for residents when this came on the market started at $2.3 million for a one-bedroom, going up to $10 million for apartments. Many famous people live in this building, many famous athletes, politicians, uh, business leaders, Joe Montana, Hunter Pence, each bought residence there. Uh, but the building received worldwide attention for a whole different reason. It's sinking it's actually sunk 18 inches on one side at its foundation, and it's leaning 14 inches. It was discovered that it was built not on bedrock, but on dense sand. How can this happen in the 21st century? But its poor foundation created cracks in its walls and headaches for its owners, lawsuits everywhere. And it's actually sent property values plummeting. This year they're going to fix all that, but it's crazy. Now, why do I share this story? Because it illustrates a critical point to our series. The foundation that we build our lives on determines, listen to this, the fortitude and the faithfulness of our lives. Our whole lives, every aspect of them, are to be built on the sure foundation of God's word, and specifically, God's faithfulness. Throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, God's faithfulness is heralded as the context for our lives. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and friends, I could have picked a million verses. It says this in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? Say it together, faithful. So we're looking all fall at lives that are supernaturally soaring and enduring because they're built on the bedrock of God's faithfulness and they're held secure by the Holy Spirit. Friends, lives like this will cause our world to take notice because of the splendor of our lives. A life filled with the Holy Spirit is one of the most compelling forces on the planet. A life operating in the flesh while testifying to faith in Christ, it's actually one of the most confusing, destructive forces for the kingdom. It's as confusing as a multi-million dollar, 58-story luxury building, leaning 14 inches. 
So today we're going to look at faithfulness. And boy, is this an endangered character trait in our times. Faithfulness is at war with the spirit of compromise so prevalent today. Look, you could all agree with me, right? Ours is a time of compromise and no sector is immune. Think about the last 10 years and the compromise that we've witnessed in different sectors. Think about this cultural moment right now, the political season we come out of, even, even the political process has been called into question, the way we vote and did our ballots make it. Think of the candidates, not only in their character, but flip-flopping on different positions, making false claims, some objectifying whole segments of people through their comments. Now, take my sector, ministry. The headlines are riddled with pastors who compromise their core ethical convictions or deconstructed their theology or completely compromise the ethics of the pastorate. Think of athletes and entertainers, Houston Astros, Deflategate, heroes using performance-enhancing drugs so they have to have an asterisk by their name, or wielding their power for selfish, destructive gain. Think of it in our homes or our workplaces. Think of the college entrance uh, scandal that we just went through last year that rocked some of the most elite schools in our country. I was studying for this message and I found out in 2016, $50 billion worth of goods were stolen from the United States workplaces. I can go on and on and on. Compromise is tragic. Why? Because it destroys trust. It erodes the fabric of relationships. It creates deep wounds in the lives of people we love. Why is compromise so prevalent if it's that painful? Because of the out-of-control selfishness that prevails in our culture. The ends justifies the means mindset that's so prevalent in our culture. I want you to look at a passage with me in the book of Hosea. This was written 2,800 years ago to a Middle Eastern context, Middle Eastern people, yet it's as relevant in our time as our morning homepages that give us the news. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 1 to 2, it says this, Hear the word of the Lord, O people, O Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, now look at the charges, There is no faithfulness. Now stop right there. Look at what happens and what follows in Hosea 4, 1 to 2, when lawlessness, not faithfulness, is honored. Look at this. When there's no faithfulness, what happens? Look, there's no kindness. There's no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. There's violence everywhere, one murder after another. Does that sound like our cultural moment, our current events right now? See, listen, please. When a self-centered ethic drives you, no one wins. You don't, relationships don't, communities don't. And if you think this is an antiquated character trait, faithfulness, let me ask you, think about this. If you're single, don't you want to date someone who values faithfulness? If you're married, don't you want your spouse to value faithfulness? Students, 
Don't you want your teacher to value faithfulness to their profession? You take your car to a mechanic. Don't you hope that mechanic values faithfulness? Or your doctor values faithfulness? Friends, this is so important to our day. So let's dive in and let's define the term because like the other terms we're going through in the fruit of the Spirit, uh, we use them so often they can water down their true biblical meaning. What is faithfulness? Well, in the Old Testament, faithfulness was described with a word picture uh, of, of pillars holding up a structure. The idea is strength, stability, dependability. In the New Testament, the word faithfulness speaks of loyalty. Now you put these two together and you get a whole word picture and definition. And I'll just bring it down to two words. Faithfulness equates to two words, tenacious trustworthiness. Think about that for a second. Tenacious trustworthiness. As we build our lives on the foundation of God's faithfulness, we become like him through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. We become trustworthy. We become, and this is our vision, right? A stabilizing force for our community, for our neighbors, for our church. And we become dependable to those around us. So before we go further, I want to break and ask this question. In light of that, who comes to mind when you think of a faithful person and why. Ready? Go. All right, we're back. Now remember, we're saying every week, what God creates can be counterfeited. And with each one of these fruit of the Holy Spirit, there's a counterfeit uh, cultural trait uh, that we can do in our own flesh. What's the counterfeit to biblical faithfulness? Advantageous alliance. Making an alliance with someone or some ethic as long as it works to your advantage. Being committed to the degree it benefits you or it's convenient to you. And when the uh, advantageous aspect leaves, or if there's not a benefit, we bounce, 
Or as Katie Langley said a couple weeks ago, we cancel someone. Or we justify breaking our promises or commitments around some uh, self-centered ethical code. God wants me to be happy, right? That's not what we're talking about here. And so what I want to do is build out two aspects of faithfulness that will give texture to this fruit. I think will bring value and increase the faithfulness quotient in our lives. It's so needed today. Here's the first. Faithfulness is about who we love. In the scriptures, it's relational, not just a theological tenet. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was preaching a message in 1959, and his words were timeless. He said, Christianity has no meaning devoid of Christ. The noble principles of Christianity remain abstract unless they're personified in a person called Christ. Christ becomes the center or the pivotal point around which everything in the Christian faith revolves. In other words, King is saying that faith and faithfulness is not just adherence to rules, that's legalism, that's religion, but rather a relational love affair with the God of the universe. And one of the central metaphors in the Bible when it comes to God's relationship with us, his children, is that of bride and bridegroom. And it brings this out. God displays himself in scripture, not as a harsh judge, but as a tender lover. Friends, this is unique to the Judeo-Christian God in uh, the sea of gods that are around the planet and belief systems. And it's a recurring image that the Bible paints for us. Jump with me to Exodus chapter 19 and look at this. In verse five to six, God says, now if you obey me fully to Israel and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be my kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Peter brought this out in his book, 1 Peter, that we studied this year. You know, one of the 19th century rabbinic definition uh, of treasured possessions in, in the rabbinic writings was this, an exclusive possession which no one else except its owner is entitled to. In ancient times, treasured possession referred to the special treasure that a conquering king chose for himself among all the spoils of war. The idea of this passage is that God wants to get across that is, is that of exclusivity. He longs for an exclusive relationship with you with me. This is brought out even further back into this uh, book called Hosea in the Old Testament. And in chapter 2, verse 19 to 20, it says this. God says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. Now look what God says. I will be faithful to you and make you mine you will finally know me as the Lord. Friends, these are wedding terms that God uses to relate to us. Jesus' half-brother James picks this up in his book called James. And in chapter 4, verse 4, he relates our obedience and disobedience, our faithfulness and faithlessness to God. And he puts it in wedding terms. Look what he says. 
You have become spiritual adulterers. Now he's talking to people who uh, disobeyed God and didn't care about that. And he says to them, don't you understand what you're doing? You're committing adultery with the God of the universe. You're having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world values places you at odds with God? James is putting our disobedience in a whole new context here. Disobedience is not just breaking a rule. Friends, it's breaking God's heart. You know, I remember in 2016, one of many times I had to counsel a spouse who discovered their spouse's infidelity. But it was vivid for me for some reason in 2016 as I sat with a person who was completely crushed, completely heartbroken, just, just a shell of a person because the person they were married to was living a lie and living a double life to the danger and destruction of the spouse in my office. And I'll never forget walking through that with them and getting them into therapy and getting them help, but then thinking to myself, wow, Lord, it put my obedience and disobedience with the Lord in a whole different light. Now, I know we live with no condemnation before God if we're in Christ Jesus. But you know what? I am more inspired towards faithfulness when I think about it, not just as a theological tenet, but a relational term. God loves me. He wants an exclusive relationship, not just with my mind, but with my heart and with my actions. So faithfulness is a term of love and loyalty to the God of the universe. The second and last thing I want us to all know is that faithfulness is not just about who we love, it's about who we trust. Faithfulness is functional dependency on God. And I actually think COVID has brought this out. I tell people all the time, prior to COVID, yeah, I believed in God. I I actually trusted God, but COVID has put in me to move my belief from trust. I have to trust in God in a whole new way because of COVID. You know, I would say belief is an assumption you hold. Trust is a conviction that holds you. Let me just say that again. Belief is an assumption you hold. Trust is a conviction that holds you. I have never met a follower of Jesus who said they've regretted trusting the scriptures over following their heart or their gut or their assumptions. Yet I have met so many people, and I've even lived in it in my own life, looking at my past track record of obedience and faithfulness and disobedience and faithlessness, where some of my biggest regrets are following my heart or following my gut as opposed to trusting in God's character in the Word of God. Without exception, over and over, God's Word has proven faithful in my life. Friends, don't trust your gut trust God's word, and walk by faith in response to God's incredible faithfulness. That's the proper inspiration for walking with Jesus. Well, don't take my word for it. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Look what Peter says. Look at this. So then, and he spoke to people who were living under Nero and under extreme persecution. He says, so then those who suffer according to God's will, what should we do, Peter? Should we trust our gut and abandon Christ? No. We should commit ourselves to our faithful creator 
and continue to do good. Circle that word commit, because here's what it means, to make a deposit. To make a deposit in the first century, it meant to deposit something with a friend or deposit something in a bank. In its context, here's what Peter's saying here. When times are challenging, deposit what matters most. It could be your character. It could be vows you made as a dad or as a, as a son or a daughter to a parent or husband to wife. It could be relationships. Deposit that to God. He is more than able to steward and grow that deposit. Jesus, our Savior, modeled this trust, right? Look at his life. What drove him daily is he would get up and go seek the Father alone. And in essence, he'd follow the guidance that God gave him for the day. All the way to the cross. And as he was going through that unthinkable suffering, what were the last words that Jesus said before his death? In essence, it was, I trust you. Look at what it says in Luke 23, 46. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we said this, he breathed his last. You know, I have a stool here that illustrates this for me. You know, if you were to ask me, do I believe this stool could hold me up? I would say, yeah, I absolutely believe this duel could hold me up. Yet this whole message, I've been standing. Uh, I haven't acted on that belief. This is not the Christian life, yet this is so much how so many of us, myself included, live aspects of our life. Yes, I believe God's faithful. Yes, I believe God wants to minister in our neighborhood. Yes, I believe if I put God first, he'll honor everything. But we don't act out on that. Trust is when I actually put all that I am on the stool. See, friends, this is biblical trust, and it fosters faithfulness. So I want to ask you a question, and I want you to break up for 90 seconds. In what area is God calling you to exhibit trust in his faithfulness? In what area is God calling you to exhibit trust in his faithfulness. Ready, go.
All right, so let's just wrap this up and let me turn the tables and ask some pointed questions for all of us to think through. I'm not asking us to live in advantageous alliance around certain axioms or thoughts about the Bible. The world doesn't need that. That won't change the world. Our culture right now needs men and women who are firmly grounded in the faithfulness of God and are living it out. And not believing things, but actually trusting in God's character. So as I think of my life and, and how God has grown me in this through my life stages, I just have some questions for you. Can you trust God with your singleness? Or in high school, can you trust God with your high school sports career? Or can you trust God with your college applications? PCC, can you trust God with your finances? In this COVID time, especially with first fruits giving, or were you giving by faith or out of excess? Can we trust God with our sexual purity, keeping our sexuality within the boundaries that God has established, whether we're in marriage or outside of marriage, virtually or in real life? Can you trust God in your marriage or with your children? or commit to raising them in God as a parent. And by the way, our family ministries would love to come alongside you and help you in that. Can we trust God with our neighborhoods? Trusting God as we pray over our neighborhoods that God would use us to represent hope and new life in Christ with our neighbors. Here's a big one. Can we trust God with the election results? And can we live into what it means to have our hope firmly anchored in the coming kingdom, in another kingdom, because regardless of who's at, in the Oval Office, Jesus is the King of the Kings and the Lord of the Lords. Friends, I want you to know that what fuels our faithfulness is God's faithfulness. The truth is, Romans 8.31 says, God is for you. He's not against you. Jeremiah 31.3 says, He loves us with an everlasting love. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said, I will be with you always. And in Romans 8, 38 to 39, Jesus says, nothing will ever separate you from my love. See, the deep down truth is that God is trustworthy and he's faithful. His character is the foundation you can build your life on and soar. And unlike human beings can be, God is never a promise breaker. He's a promise keeper. So what do you do with this? I want to invite you to do three things, and then we pray. Here's the first. I want to invite you to commit to God's faithfulness. It starts with a declaration of commitment. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Why? Because he who promised is what? Faithful. We can build our lives and our commitments on the faithfulness of God. Commit and then confess. When we fall short, we can bring our sin to God because of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.9 says, when we confess our sins, he is what? He is faithful and just. He'll forgive us our sins and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. Confess, commit. And the third one is this, commune. We need to do this together. Hebrews 10, 
24 to 25 says this, let's consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, when we commune and you tell me about God's faithfulness in your life, and I share about God's faithfulness in my life, that bolsters faith. That's so important. So friends, let's pray. Let's pray that we would be a people who are faithful in response to God's faithfulness towards us. Father, thank you so much. How do we even say thank you for your faithfulness? Thank you that when we ran away, you were faithful with the plan that started in Genesis to bring your son into the world, to die for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for remaining faithful to that plan from the start, from eternity past, while you walk the earth, you are faithful. And thank you that you haven't, nor will you ever give up on us. Lord, it's your faithfulness that we want to be reflected through us in whatever life stage we're in, with whatever we're facing. We walk by faith, not by sight. Friends, I'm, I'm prompted to stop right now and ask, in what areas God prompting you, convicting you to walk faithfully with him. Right now, what is the area God's inviting you to kingdom faithfulness towards him? Lord, we want to be hearers of the word, not just, I'm sorry, we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers. So Lord, we offer you that area. Meet us, inspire us, empower us, Holy Spirit, to be faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.